The Bible Study Podcast, episode 523. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues a study of the kings of Israel and Judah as we wrap up 1 Samuel. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We're going to wrap up 1 Samuel today and possibly start 2 Samuel. We're definitely going to continue on into that. I just don't know for sure. I, th- I think we're going to do that today, but stay tuned and find out. As I said, Saul's days are numbered here. The title that's been given to chapter 31 of 1 Samuel is Saul Takes His Life. Now the Philistines fought against Israel. The Israelites fled before them and many fell dead on Mount Gilboa. The Philistines were in hot pursuit of Saul and his sons, and they killed his sons Jonathan, Abinadab, and Malkishua. The fighting grew fierce around Saul, and when the archers overtook him, they wounded him critically. Saul said to his armor-bearer, Draw your sword and run me through, or these uncircumcised fellows will come and will run me through and abuse me. But his armor-bearer was terrified and would not do it. So Saul took his own sword and fell on it. When the armor-bearer saw that Saul was dead, he too fell on his sword and died with him. So Saul and his three sons and his armor-bearer and all his men died together that same day. When the Israelites along the valley and those across the Jordan saw the Israelite army had fled, and that Saul and his sons had died, they abandoned their towns and fled, and the Philistines came and occupied them. The next day, when the Philistines came to strip the dead, they found Saul and his three sons fallen on Mount Gilboa. They cut off his head and stripped off his armor, and they sent messengers throughout the land of the Philistines to proclaim the news in the temple of their idols and among their people. They put his armor in the temple of the Ashtoreths and fastened his body to the wall of Bethshan. When the people of Jabesh-Gilead heard what the Philistines had done to Saul, all their valiant men marched through the night to Bethshan. They took down the body of Saul and his sons from the wall of Bethshan and went to Jabesh, where they burned them. Then they took their bones and buried them under a tamarisk tree at Jabesh, and they fasted seven days. So we knew this was coming. We knew that Saul was going to... We knew that Saul's reign would end. We did not know how it would end. We knew that it would not end at the hand of David, because David was quite clear on that when he failed to, chose not to kill Saul on two different occasions. And so instead, he dies fighting the Philistines and fighting them on Mount Gilboa. I should say that if you can, I should say that if you go to Mount Gilboa today, there's a lovely restaurant there that I highly recommend with a great view, a much more peaceful mountain or hill today than it was at this day. But at this point, they're fighting the Philistines, and Saul is critically wounded. He tells his armor-bearer to kill him, but he won't. He can't raise his arm against the king just the same way that David was. How, how could he kill the Lord's anointed? And so Saul kills himself. He doesn't want to be captured. He doesn't want to be tortured or whatever they would do to abuse him. And so he kills himself. And so the armor bearer also doesn't want to live on at that point. They find the body of Saul. They don't treat it very well, but the people of Jabesh Gilead go and rescue it and burn the bodies of Saul and his three sons who died and bury them and they fast. And that wraps up for Samuel. And that really is the first king of the kings of Israel and Judah. There's still one country and Saul's reign is over. 
what we do next is going to be a big question. So we start here, Second Samuel uh, chapter 1. Now, the interesting thing is we're in Second Samuel, but Samuel, remember, has already died. So this is an interesting book that we name this Second Samuel, but it's that same time. We're continuing on with David and with other descendants of Saul, and David hears the news of Saul's death. After the death of Saul, David returned from striking down the Amalekites and stayed in Ziklag two days. On the third day, a man arrived from Saul's camp with his clothes torn and dust on his head. When he came to David, he fell to the ground to pay him honor. Where have you come from? David asked him. He answered, I have escaped from the Israelite camp. What happened? David asked. Tell me. The men fled from battle. He replied, many of them fell and died, and Saul and his son Jonathan are dead. Then David said to the young man who brought him the report, How do you know that Saul and his son Jonathan are dead? I happened to be on Mount Gilboa, the man said, and there was Saul leaning on his spear and the chariots and their drivers in hot pursuit. When he turned around and saw me, he called out to me, and I said, What can I do? He asked me, Who are you? An Amalekite, I answered. Then he said to me, Stand here by me and kill me. I'm in the throes of death, but I'm still alive. So I stood beside him and killed him, because I knew that after he had fallen, he could not survive. And I took the crown that was on his head and band on his arm, and have brought them here to my Lord. Then David and all his men took hold of their clothes and tore them. They mourned and wept and fasted till evening for Saul and his son Jonathan and for the army of the Lord and for the nation of Israel because they had fallen by the sword. David said to the young man who brought him the report, where are you from? I am the son of a foreigner, an Amalekite, he answered. David asked him, why weren't you afraid to lift your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? Then David called one of his men and said, go strike him down. So he struck him down and he died. For David had said to him, your blood be on your own head. Your own mouth testified against you when you said, I killed the Lord's anointed. Now, remember that armor bearer who wasn't willing to kill Saul. Apparently, what he didn't know is after Saul fell on a sword, he didn't die. He didn't die right away. And so the armor bearer is dead by this point. And so Saul calls out to this other person, an Amalekite, in irony. Remember, David wasn't at the battle because he was turned away by the Philistines from fighting on their side. And he got home and found that uh, they had been raided by Amalekites. And now we've got another Amalekite in the story. So he's just going after Amalekites and he gets this other one who comes and says, you know, guess what? And I suspect he's thinking, guess what good news? You're the king now. I'm bringing you the crown. Or guess what bad news? Saul's dead, but you're the king now. But in any case, he is not expecting this response. But if you're the king, think about this. There is some reason to not support regicide, the killing of kings. And so David had been very studiously not killing Saul because even though Saul was acting as his enemy, he understood that he was the Lord's anointed. God had made him king in a quite literal fashion. This isn't the people in the Middle Ages saying, you know, I'm king because God made me king. This is God calling to the prophet and saying, you know, make this guy king in a very specific, literal sense. And so David was not going to strike him down. And so it's bad news for the Amalekite when he testifies that he, in fact, did this. And so Saul is dead and Jonathan is dead. And David and his men all 
tear their clothes and mourn, which I think is interesting because they've been running with him. This is his mighty men who've been off with him in the wilderness. Remember, they were going to kill him last week because their children and wives have been carried off into slavery, and and he, they have followed him into this wilderness. They followed him out into you know a exile, and yet the person who has put them in exile dies and they fast and they mourn for Saul and also for his son, Jonathan. Jonathan, you can understand. Jonathan, who always thought of David as a brother. But Saul, who has treated them like an enemy, they are mourning for him as well because he is the king and also for the army and for the nation because they understand that this is bad news. Even if it may lead to good news for David, this is bad news for Israel. And so the rest of this first chapter is filled with David's lament for Saul and Jonathan. David, who writes psalms, David, who is a songwriter, who a lot of his songs will form the book of psalms. Not all of the psalms in there are his, but quite a few of them are. And basically, he is moved at this point to take his grief and put it into song. We don't. I can't sing it for you because I don't know the tune, but it goes like this. David took up his lament concerning Saul and his son Jonathan, and he ordered that the people of Judah be taught this lament of the bow. It is written in the book of Jashar. A gazelle lies slain on your heights, Israel, how the mighty have fallen. Tell it not in Gath, proclaim it not in the streets of Ascalon, lest the daughters of the Philistines be glad, lest the daughters of the uncircumcised rejoice. Mountains of Gilboa, may you have neither dew nor rain, nor may no showers fall in your terraced fields, for there the shield of the mighty was despised, the shield of Saul no longer rubbed with oil. From the blood of the slain, from the flesh of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan did not turn back. The sword of Saul did not return unsatisfied. Saul and Jonathan, in life they were loved and admired, and in death they were not parted. They were swifter than eagles, they were stronger than lions. Daughters of Israel, weep for Saul, who clothed you in scarlet and finery, who adorned your garments with ornaments of gold. How the mighty have fallen in battle. Jonathan lies slain on your heights. I grieve for you, Jonathan, my brother. You were very dear to me. Your love for me was wonderful, more wonderful than that of women. How the mighty have fallen, the weapons of war have perished. And with that, we end a chapter. With the death of Saul and the death of Jonathan, the kingship of Saul, but it doesn't immediately start the kingship of David, and we'll see that next week. It's going to take us a little while to work through the fact that David will become king. But come back next week, and we'll talk more about that. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com, or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And thanks so much for listening. Have you ever considered yourself a messenger? Whether it's mics like this, bookshelves around the world, stages to take or art to make, or perhaps businesses to build, it's time we start testifying truth unashamedly, creatively, and in love. My name is Tamara Andress, the host of the Messenger Movement Podcast, which is designed to catalyze Christians to speak, write, build, and testify. If you're ready to turn your message into a movement and want to run with other messengers doing the thing at scale globally, 
Search and follow the Messenger Movement podcast on your favorite podcast platform today or lifeaudio.com.